0: Welcome to LifePoint today. Thanks so much for being here and sharing part of your day with us. My name is Donnie Williams. I'm the lead pastor here. And if you're here for the first time, thanks for being here. We would love to meet you after this service. We call it the welcome experience, right to your left off the lobby. Uh, So please stop by there for about five minutes and hear a little bit more about our church. So several years ago, I decided uh, I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. I like to do daring things, enjoy it. Uh, it's gotten me a few injuries through the years, a concussion, a few other bangs and bruises, but one day I decided I wanted to bungee jump. Now, I've done it more than once now, but the first time I see this crane with a basket on it and thought, well, that looks like fun. So I get in the basket and we go up. Uh, it looks It looks like it's not that high, but when you're up there looking down, it's really high. And this 15-year-old kid has just done his best job at strapping me in, so my life is in his hands. And I said out loud as I looked down, because it's not just something, no matter how daring you are, you don't just jump. You got to think about it for a second. And I, I looked down and out loud, I said, well, at least there's a bag down there. And he's like, oh man, that's just so you can have an open casket. And I was like, okay, that's like the worst case scenario. That's the worst thing you can say to me right now. Maybe today you're living your worst case scenario in life. A few years ago. I officiated the wedding of my nephew and his wife Carly. Here's a picture of it. Uh, this is Blake and Carly. And, and no doubt from a very young age, uh, she thought about what her wedding might look like and what it might be like. She probably dreamed about what her husband would be like and this ceremony and that dress she probably had pictured in her mind. And we were in this big glass enclosed arboretum in the Midwest and a beautiful picturesque setting. Whatever she had in mind for her ceremony, she probably didn't think the entire ceremony would look like this the whole time we went through all the vows and everything. See, what happened was, in the rush of the day, uh, Carly just got a little tired, and we were standing there, and about two minutes in, she starts doing this, moving around, and I think, well, she's going to pass out. So we call a chair over, and we all sit down, and I married them. That was, in her mind, oh my gosh, this is the worst case scenario. She actually sent me a card afterwards, said, Uncle Donnie, that was the most beautiful ceremony I've ever heard. It was so good, I almost fainted. (laughs) You know, there's actually a book called Worst Case Scenario Survival Handbook. So when the worst case scenarios come into your life, this book says, we know how to help you. And they talk about everything from weddings to holidays to travel to parenting, how to deal with family. And one of the funniest ones was what you could do in the event you're caught in a herd of stampeding elephants. I don't know if that's obviously happened. And so it gives some advice. It says, if you're in front of a herd of stampeding elephants, first try to find a tree. Because elephants don't climb trees, and you could climb a tree and get away from an elephant good good choice. If you can't reach the limbs in the tree, just stand behind the trunk of the tree and they'll go around you. It actually says, if you are not around any trees and this elephant is not intent on trampling you, just lie down. And it even provides illustrations. <laughs> lie down, cover up your face. If you cannot find cover, because elephants typically avoid stepping on prone human beings even while charging. Now, I'll not be willing to take that risk. I'm going to try to outrun them. Because it says, if you're not a threat, the elephant will come and sniff you and pick you up and maybe bury you if it thinks you're dead. Or if it thinks you're a threat, it will just gouge you with its tusk until you die. Those are worst-case scenarios. You may think of or be in the middle of the worst-case scenario in your life. And like this book says, need to know answers for life's unexpected turn for the worst. Because you just never know. You know, some of us in life have ended up in a place we never thought we would be. And we look back and maybe some mistakes we've made and think, I've never thought I would be here financially or relationally or physically. I never thought. This is my worst case scenario. And we're in this series called Overwhelmed, which is how we're going to feel when we get in these worst-case scenarios of life. We're in this series looking at an Old Testament character named Jonah. And we're going to pick up the story today with him living a worst-case scenario. There's some Bibles coming out the aisles right now. If you don't have one, the ushers will give you one of those. You can keep it. You can borrow it. You can follow along on the screen. So when we left this story last week, Jonah had made a decision. He was going to run from what God asked him to do. He was so overwhelmed by it, he took off running. In fact, about 2,500 miles in the wrong direction. In the middle of that, there's this storm on this boat that he's on. And they decide that Jonah was the guilty person that caused the storm. He agreed. And he said, just throw me overboard. And he thought it was all over. He thought that was the end. Just throw me overboard at night in the middle of this storm. God has come to get me for running because I've run from him, and it's over. But it wasn't over. God actually sent this giant sea creature with an assignment. And when we ended last week, the ending verse was, and this huge fish swallowed Jonah, and he was in it for three days and three nights. And so somehow, in a way only God can speak to this fish, he said, look, I've got an assignment for you. I need you to go to this guy, Jonah, in this storm, and I need you to swallow, but don't you. I'm trying to teach him a lesson. And so Jonah, this guy that's running from God, gets swallowed by this fish. See, there's two types of people in this room. We're either runners or we are former runners. And Jonah is finding out what happens when we continue to run from God, but the Big driving idea for this whole series as we look at this man's story and find ourselves in it is that God is not out to repay me, but to rescue me. Now, it may not look like that when you're staring in the mouth of this giant fish that's about to eat you. He's probably feeling like God's getting me back for what I've done. But as soon as Jonah is where he is in the belly of this fish, here's what happens it says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. Wouldn't you? Like, if you were in there, you would pray. And don't we tend to pray the hardest when things are at their worst? Don't we tend to get before God when we get some, some bad news or when we've made a huge mistake or when we realize I've gone so far in the wrong direction, I don't know how I can turn around, I'm in a bad place. God, I need your help. And we tend to pray at those times when we feel the most desperate. And here's what you need to know. God hears the prayers of runners. If you're running from God and you pray and ask for his help, he will hear you. God heard this prayer of Jonah, a man who was running from him, in the middle of his fear, in the middle of his worst-case scenario. What does he do? He prays out to God. And he says this. Jonah says, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble and he answered me. I'm going to read that again. I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead and Lord you heard me. See, if you're if you've ever run from God or if you're now running from God, you know that you've gone down paths you shouldn't have gone down or maybe down paths that somebody said, "Hey, don't do that." It's going to lead to regret. You shouldn't go in that direction, but you did it anyway. You may get to the place, just like Jonah, where you're saying, God, I need help. I'm in trouble. I've blown it. I've made so many mistakes. I don't know how to turn this thing around. And When you find yourself in a situation like this, this is not just like, oh, I feel bad for what I've done. This is, he's in a situation where he's full of anguish. In fact, the words in the original language, which was Hebrew, that are translated great trouble. It comes from a Hebrew phrase that's made up from two words. The first phrase, the first word is serah. And it means distress, anguish, and pain. The second word is sheol, which means the underworld, darkness, being totally cut off from God. So he's saying, where I am is so painful and so dark I think I'm dying, and this feels like hell. That's what he's saying. This feels like the end. I feel like I'm so separated from God. This feels like hell, what I'm going through right now. The word surah is the same word that's used to describe women in childbirth. Anguish, pain, distress. Now, I was present for the birth of both of our children. I was right there. There was pain. There was distress. There was anguish. There was oxygen administered. And that was just to me. (laughs) Cinda did great. I was the one that needed medical attention. But at the end of all of that, they bring in this beautiful baby. And you mothers know exactly what I'm talking about. Would you go through that pain again to have that reward at the end? Absolutely. I've never heard a mother say, well, I'm not doing that again. I'm done with that. Even if they say it in the moment, they really don't mean it. They don't mean a lot, they say, in that moment. But moms, you would endure the pain again to have what comes out at the other end of that pain because it's beautiful and it's life. And Jonah is saying, I was so overwhelmed and so distressed, but... At the end of all of this, here's what he knows. God heard me. God heard me. Even though I was in my pain, God heard me. So if you think you've run too far, you've done too much, you've got too much behind you to turn and run towards God, think again. Because Jonah was in the worst case scenario, and he cried out to God, and he says, Lord, you heard me in the middle of my great trouble. Now, God was actually part of the circumstances that stopped Jonah from running. So maybe God's part of the circumstances that stopped us too. Think about what was going on in your life when you stopped running if, you're, if you no longer run from God. He was part of the circumstances that made that happen. Good and bad, God was a part of that. At least that's the way Jonah sees it because here's what he says. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. He says, God, you threw me into the ocean. Well, in the story, it says the sailors threw him into the ocean. But Jonah is looking at his past, and he's saying, God, you did that. You allowed. You caused that to happen. And former runners, you can look in the past. And what you look at might be painful. But you can start to kind of connect the dots. And you can see those things that happened in my life, as painful as they might have been, created the reality I live in today, which is forgiven and full of mercy and a recipient of God's grace. And Jonah's looking back and saying, all those things that happened, yeah, they threw me into the sea, I willingly said throw me in, but God was orchestrating all of that To bring me back to him. Because the theme of Jonah's story is that God keeps showing up and pursuing him over and over. It was God that sent the wind and the storm. It was God that had the sailors look at Jonah and say, Did you cause this? It was God that sent the giant fish to pick up Jonah. Now, if I'm a skeptic, I'm gonna have a couple questions here. A fish can actually swallow a person whole and then live? If you believe God created the universe and everything that we see and he created you and he brought Jesus to earth and he resurrected Jesus from the dead, yeah, he can make a fish that can swallow somebody whole. And actually, there are evidences that a sea creature exists that is that big and could swallow a person that actually live for an extended period of time. So could it actually happen whether it was miraculous or whether it was just, hey, there's a fish that big that can do that and there's enough air in there for you to live. Either way, God orchestrated all of that for it to happen. And we believe, I believe, it really did. Now, another legitimate question is, does God cause things to happen in our life or does he allow bad things to happen in our life? Which is it? Does he cause them or does he allow them? This is, this is the deepest thing you're going to get today. So write this down. Does he cause them or does, does he allow them? I don't know. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it happens in different ways at different times. But here's what I know for sure. I know for sure that God is not out to repay you. He is out to rescue you. Now, I can't say did God cause these things to Jonah or did he allow these things to happen? But sometimes it requires... God intervenes in a way that stops us so we pay attention. And whatever it was that stopped you from running, whether it was a bad deal or whether it was a bad relationship or you finally got caught doing what you knew you shouldn't be doing, no matter what it is that caused you to stop, God can use that, whether he caused it or he allowed it, He can use that to turn you back towards him. See, you know why Jonah was in the belly of that fish? It wasn't because of God. It was because of Jonah. Jonah made the decisions that got him where he was, and he's starting to realize that. And the quicker we realize we're not victims when things bad happen in our lives. Maybe it's because I've made decisions that led to the place where I am right now. Now, of course, we can be victims. Of course, bad things can happen that we have no control over. But not every bad thing happens because we have no control. Sometimes it's because we're moving in the wrong direction. We're running headfirst into the bad stuff just like Jonah did. And all that happened to Jonah because God was trying to get his attention. He could have given up on him and went and got some other prophet, but he chose not to. Here's how Jonah described how, how that felt. Jonah says, then I said, he's still in a fish saying these things. Then I said, oh, Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountain. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates lock shut forever. Jonah has literally hit rock bottom. He is living his worst-case scenario. And here's what he's describing. See, God allows the effects of our running to be an instrument of discipline. He can allow the effects of us running from him to be an instrument of discipline. Now, discipline is not a bad thing. Abuse is a bad thing. Discipline is not a bad thing. Parents, why do you discipline your kids? Why do you give them time out? Because you want them to make better decisions. In fact, most of parenting is just trying to ensure and protect our children to consider the better choice, to consider the consequences of the choices they're about to make, and to protect them from harmful scenarios. But sometimes our tendency is to run in and protect when we should allow them to make some mistakes. Because what's the best teacher sometimes? The mistakes that I've made teach me better than just somebody saying, don't do that. It would be great if we could just get, hey, don't do that. Okay, I'll never do that. But it doesn't work that way. We make mistakes and we learn from them. And why would God discipline people? The same reason we do as parents with our children. We don't want them to be in harm's way. So your kid as a baby's reaching after something hot reaching for the stove, you're going to slap the hand. They're running out into the road, it doesn't matter if you got to tackle them in a big cactus plant. You're going to tackle them to keep them from running in the road even if they got you got to pull some cactus spears out of them the rest of the day. Why? Because we want what's best for them. We want to protect them. I grew up I grew up mostly around my grandfather My grandfather was this old country guy, and he's just like matter-of-fact kind of guy. And when I would act up, he had this thing he said every time, boy, you better straighten up or I'm going to jerk a knot in your tail. Now, I don't know what jerking a knot in my tail looked like or felt like, but I knew I did not want that to happen. He didn't have to actually physically discipline me. That phrase made me say, I don't know what that is, (laughs) but I'm not doing anything that's going to cause him to do that. We discipline our kids not because we want them to go through pain or we want them to miss stuff or we want them to be hurt. We discipline them because we love them so much. And if we have to give them a little sting every now and then, then it's worth it. If we have to give our children a little discipline, a little sting every now and then to help them remember next time, then we should do it. Because some of us still years later are living with scars and lingering effects of decisions we made a long time ago. You should never allow lingering guilt. You can't control lingering consequences, but lingering guilt, you should be free of that. But I can look in the past at the things I've done that I wish I had not done, and it reminds me, number one, of how far God has brought me, and number two, it reminds me of the things I never want to do again. Even if some of those memories bring up pain, And this is when Jonah says, I will look once more toward you, God. And here's what he discovers, that God wants to provide for and protect us. He says, but you, O Lord, my God, snatch me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. What he's saying is, when I was at my lowest, I thought, why am I even running? When we run from God, you know what we're looking for? Peace, love, acceptance, grace, mercy, contentment, fulfillment. Whatever it is, we're looking for that. And we're running away from God to find it. And what Jonah found out was the very source he was running from, the person he was running from, God, was the very source of all those things he really needed. And if you're running, you'll find that out eventually. You want peace and contentment in your life? You will only find that through a relationship with Christ. You want joy and love and acceptance in your life? That comes from God. And running away from Him will get you away from those things, not towards those things. And Jonah figured that out and realized, I have to turn back. Now, I have to acknowledge, sometimes... It can be very difficult to reconcile both God's love and God's discipline. God's mercy and God's discipline. That can be tough sometimes in our life. Maybe this story will help from author Henry Cloud. He says this. The founder of a successful manufacturing company was grooming his son to one day take over the business. One day as he was walking through the factory, he saw his son angrily berating an employee in front of all the other co-workers, a lot of yelling and put-downs and shaming. When the father returned to his office, he called to his son to come and see him. And when he arrived, he said, David, I wear two hats around here. I'm the boss, and I'm your father. Right now, I'm going to put my boss hat on. You're fired. You're done here. I will not have that kind of behavior in my company, and I will not ever tolerate employees being treated that way. I've warned you about this kind of thing before, and you're still doing it, so I have to let you go. Silence. Then he said, now I'm going to put my father hat on. After a moment's pause, he continued, son, I heard you lost your job today. How can I help you? Sometimes God has to wear both hats. Sometimes he has to allow discipline into our lives, but he wants to wear the hat of dad, of father, of forgiver, of the the provider of mercy and grace in our lives. And Jonah finally realizes this when he says, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. He's saying this in the middle of his pain. In the depths of despair, he's saying, my salvation comes from the Lord alone. In fact, what he's doing, he's starting to turn to say, God, if you'll have me back, if you'll have me back, I'll come back and I'll make good on that promise. And when we run from God, there's moments where we might feel like God wouldn't have me back. I've messed up so many times. I've made so many mistakes. Why would he have me back? He'll have you back because he's not out to repay you. He's out to rescue you. That's why he'll have you back. He'll have you back because God is the God of second chances. And Jonah is about to get his second chance. So as soon as Jonah Jonah said, for my salvation comes from the Lord, it says this. The Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on the beach. Now picture this, it's a beautiful sandy beach. This huge fish comes up, it vomits. And in that vomit is a man. And this man stands up with fish puke and who knows what else all over him. And it says that God came to Jonah a second time. And the first time he came, he said, go preach to my people in the city of Nineveh and tell them to turn from their wicked ways. And Jonah said no and he ran in the other direction. Second time God comes to him, he says the same thing. Go preach to the people of Nineveh. And Jonah said, okay, I will do that. You fully have my attention now. I will go. First time, no. Second time, you convince me, God, I'll do it. From his worst case scenario to his best case scenario of getting another chance. See, your greatest pain can be the biggest chance for God to work in your life. Your greatest disappointment can be the greatest opportunity for God to work in ways he never has before. And I would imagine things were different from this point for Jonah. He probably didn't like to go swimming very much. If he was at somebody's house and they asked, "What?" and he asked, what are we having for dinner, and they said fish, he probably went, eh, not really interested in eating any fish right now. It would have forever changed him. But had he not gone through that, he would have never been changed. So instead of seeing discipline as, and bad things that happen to us, and bad situations we get ourselves in as something that's an ender, why not see it as a new beginning? He got a brand new beginning. He got a whole new life. He got a second chance. And the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about these this second chance and what it's like after you get a second chance. Because God's not out to repay you. He is out to rescue you. Every time that you see someone get baptized at our church, we celebrate baptism all the time. What you're seeing is somebody that has said to Jesus, I want another chance. No matter how old they are, they have realized they're separated from God and they're saying, I want another chance. And then baptism is that physical symbol that shows like a white flag of surrender I give up, I surrender. And it's identifying with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. We've already had one person baptized earlier in this service, three earlier in the other service. People who said, I'm going to make this decision, and I'm going to stop running. For some of you, maybe you followed Jesus a long time ago, but you ran. Come and talk to us. We would love to pray with you and help you stop running. Some of you have never known any other way of life but running from God. You need to stop today. And for those of you that have done that and never taken the step of faith and followed Christ in baptism, we invite you to do that. While the band sings, we've got everything ready for you. Clothing, towels, all the things you're going to need. Even a free t-shirt. And you can get that by just going out through those double doors and just talking to one of our decision counselors. And they'll guide you through the decision you need to make. God is not out to repay you. He is out to rescue you. Let's stand, let's sing. And those of you who are running, I invite you to stop today and turn to God. Well, I want you to leave today remembering that God is a God that gives second chances. He gives many, many more than second chances. So if you need a second chance at any time, you know where to go, and that's to God. And God's not out to repay you. He's out to rescue you. May you stop running if you're a runner. And may you look at your past and remember where God's brought you from if you're no longer a runner. Thanks for being here today. Hope to see you back next week for the next part of this series. Have a great week. You're dismissed.